Welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. In this week's pod, we are handicapping the late pick five at Kingland and the Preakness for Saturday, October 3rd. This is show number 85, October 2nd, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Um, It just seems like 2020 gets stranger and stranger every day. If it was a made-for-TV movie, I would be saying this is just silly, that, that the plot's just so um, unlikely that it could never really happen. But it just seems like every day something new and crazy happens. So I'm looking forward to 2021 right now. <laughs> me as well. Me as well. <laughs> so there's big news um, on Sport of Kings and Many of our listeners probably already have heard this, but we have a new contest. It's starting today. It's the Keeneland Daily Challenge, one race a day, every day of the Keeneland meet. There's 17 races, 17 days. We're racing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the following three weeks, Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, no, yeah, right. <laughs> so it works out to 17 days. And there's free PPs, DRF PPs for every single race. The top prize is a $3,000 entry to the grade one gamble at Keeneland. So you got to get in on this. There's just no reason not to. Plus, we have this reminder uh, thing that you can opt into if you go into your email preferences and say, hey, I want a reminder if I forget to make a pick on any day of, of a contest that I've um, haven't made picks up to two hours to post. Yes. I mean, free PP, a free contest, racing at Keeneland, which is really good fall racing at Keeneland. And, you know, a great prize, a great one gambles, one of the best contests there is. So, um, you know, why in the world would you not, if you're a, a horse player and if you are interested in contests, you know, why wouldn't you enter this? I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, unless you're so incredibly busy that you can't handicap one race a day, which is possible. I mean, uh, it's going to be hard for me to do it, but I'm going to try. And I have, uh, I still have to look at the PPs for today. <laughs> But uh, I'm going to do it before the, the race, and that's happening at 5.40. And we're going to you know, be using the DRF race of the day if, if they select it, whatever the Keeneland race is. But then when they don't select it as a race of the day, then I get to choose, and I'm going to be looking for big, fat fields and um, very competitive races. Yes, I agree with you that if you're, it's, you're busy, you can't give it your full attention. But – 
I mean, you have nothing to lose. You could spend 30 seconds or a minute glancing at the PPs and seeing if there's something that jumps out at you. I mean, it, there's just nothing to lose in, in taking a shot. Or even if you're too busy, just pick a number or go by a name. But I'll help people. If you haven't looked at, you don't have time to look at the race today, um, the play is number four, Crazy Beautiful. So there, I saved you some time. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now, I, now, I, now I don't have to handicap. <laughs> Uh, now, everybody who's listening, please, please, please encourage your friends and family to enter this contest. Anybody who's a horse player that's in your um, in your orbit, you should encourage to play this contest. Because if we get a good turnout, Keeneland might offer this kind of contest every single meet. And they're putting up the prize. And that's the whole idea with Sport of Kings, that if we can get engagement with the product tracks are going to sponsor contests. So, um, so please do whatever you can to get as many people as you can playing. Obviously it's going to be a little tricky because if you know somebody who's a good handicapper, you might not want them in the contest because they might, <laughs> they might beat you. <laughs> but then again, if you can beat them, it'll be really even doubly rewarding. Yes. And Keeneland for the most part is player friendly and Jim Goodman, who's the one that that organizes the contest or Keeneland. He's a great guy. He's a player. He understands us. And, um, you know, I think he sees the value in, in the contest and how they promote play, but always helps for the numbers to actually back up what you think. So I agree with you. Let's get as many people as possible involved in this contest. All right. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, uh, through the NTRA, we got a special promo code for 50% off of the NHC tour if you join now. Now, you, you missed five free big contests. I don't know how many other free contests there are. As far as I know, there aren't any except Sport of Kings. So it's 25 bucks if you use the promo code TOUR25. You have to do that by tomorrow in order to be eligible to win the October uh round one to get in the top 100. Um, but if you, if you're like thinking, thinking about it and you're on the cusp and you've been doing well on our contest so far, take the plunge. It's 25 bucks. And, uh, maybe you can enter some other tournaments that will also give you an opportunity to win a trip to Vegas. And, and there is some other big news on the NHC front. Yeah. I, the email went out today. I'm yeah, I've been sure so busy I haven't read it, but I think I know what it's about. What yeah, is- the the NHC now has been postponed until the end of August. So that may get some groans from people. But, um, you know, I always try to look at the glass as half full and turn lemons into lemonade. And can you imagine an NHC with Del Mar and Saratoga and Woodbine and all that great summer racing? Um, well, we're going to have a chance to see what it would be like next August. Is it Travers weekend? I heard Travers. It's Travers weekend. Assuming, well, you don't know with this way schedules have been messed up, depending on how things go. But yes, the traditional Travers weekend is the weekend of the contest. Well, I usually don't like to go to the Travers because it's way too crowded. So uh, that works for me. So we'll see. I mean, there's, it's very fluid and, you know, so many things could change between now and then, but, um, that's the, the, uh, the plan and 
I think given everything that's happened, um, I'm really looking forward to it. So hopefully we'll have this COVID thing licked by then and everyone will feel safe and um, we can have uh, uh, maybe one of the most interesting, maybe even the best NHC ever. I'm certainly looking forward to the racing. You know, that late summer racing should really make it interesting, especially on days like the final day, that Sunday morning that traditionally has been, you know, pretty weak in terms of quality of racing. You'll have much better racing um, throughout the contest, I think. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing everybody's response on Twitter. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, we have some races to handicap and we have a special guest. He's a professional handicapper who authored the book Betting with an Edge, which you can get at your local bookstore, preferably, or Amazon. He's Mike Maloney. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. All right, Mike. Well, uh, I've heard you on a pod before, and um, I've read half of your book, Betting with an Edge, but many people also probably have not. So, so I have a couple questions for you. The first one is, I remember from the book that you're a bias and a path fanatic. Um, will you be able to determine anything from the Keeneland track the first day and a half of the meet that will have any impact on the pick five Saturday? Good chance that I'll at least think that I've come up with something. Um, you know, Keeneland doesn't have the strong biases that it had years ago. Unfortunately for me, uh, my life was uh, a lot simpler back in, in the heavily biased days at Keeneland and other tracks. But I, I'm a, you know, there are days when there there is definitely definitely no bias. But I'm kind of a believer that most days at the track there there is a slight lean uh, that helps horses slightly or hinders horses that are fighting it slightly. It may be it may be speed or closer sensitive, it may be path sensitive, but and it may just be a half a length, maybe all that it's worth, but um, I, I still want to try to take advantage of that half length if I can find it. So I'm always I'm I'm very I try to be very in tune with bias. And uh, there are times when when I go overboard in that direction, but I, I'm, I'm always trying to be aware of. All right. And another question I have is related to the races we're going to cover. And, and let me know if you're just going to tell us during your analysis of those races, but are there any notable recent biases at a track likely to feed Keeneland with starters? Like, you know, it was Ellis a certain way or Churchill. Ellis was Ellis could be a track that that the, you know it can get they, they run in a lot of hot dry weather and, and the track can get speed favoring and and that's in my opinion the general tendency there but this year I I didn't see that and and you know there were even uh, dead rail closer leaning days so. Um, and, you know, I think Churchill was uh, the track played mostly fair during that meet. So, uh, uh, I, no, I don't uh, I don't have a lot of, of significant biases 
on my uh, on my pages leading into this meeting. Okay, and then one last question, and then I'll I'll um, send it over to Chris. I know you're a pick six specialist, and, and with the removal of the old two dollar pick six, you're probably playing a lot more pick fives. And I would ask, what advice would you give anyone approaching the pick five in general? Um, here's my here's my best advice: is uh, make sure you're funded where you can adequately cover in the pick five or or any bet that you're trying to make with the multi. Whether it's a horizontal or a vertical. That's that's one of the big mistakes that I see players make is they're drawn to those big payoffs, but they're not properly funded uh, to really take a legitimate chance at it. So that, that's one thing when I'm in conversations with players, uh, I always encourage them to you always bet within your bankroll. You need long-term bankroll management. And a part of that is game selection. If if your bankroll will only support a play, uh, a coverage play that allows you to play doubles or pick threes, then I strongly suggest that's what you play. But for players that are that are funded to where they can they can buy coverage in pick fives, my advice would be to don't you know don't just go along with the crowd. If you're betting. You know, if you're betting the crowd's opinion in five races and trying to string them together, you're destined to lose the takeout over time. So, um, you know, have an opinion and don't be afraid, even though it's a pick five, that's part of the funding issue is you have to you have to uh, be funded well enough where you can actually play contrary opinion sometimes in the pick five and not be worried about, oh, you know, goodness, I can't leave this horse out because I might not hit it. Um, you have to be willing to to miss a lot of pick fives in order to play them properly, in my opinion. Yeah, that's something I've repeated many times. Don't be afraid to lose the pick five. Chris, did you have any questions for Mike? Well, first of all, I want to say I've read the entire contents of Betting with an Edge, and it's a really good book, and I'd recommend it. I have it sitting right here on my desk right now. Um, so those of you who are players that like to read about uh, ways to improve your handicapping, the thing that's really nice about betting with an edge is it's not stale at all. It was written recently. It's really up to date. So, you know, I, I recommend that. And I thank you, Mike, for writing the book and sharing your thoughts and what you learned over the years with us. So I just want to say that. That's very kind, Chris. I, I appreciate it. And um, I do have a question. Um, the Keeneland meet's kind of a boutique meet. It's at your home track. I'm sure you look forward to the fall and spring meet. Um, what, what's the, um, and this is a little unique in terms of the timing, but are there any angles, trainers, shippers, whatever, surface distance changes, whatever that you found to be particularly um, valuable and helped you make money during this meet, you know, this fall Keeneland meet? You know, I, like every player, I have my, my little pet angles. Um, 
let's see, you know, one of those would be that I think Kentucky Downs is a good conditioning track for the turf course at at Keeneland. Uh, Not every horse takes to Kentucky Downs with their unusual configuration and the the ups and downs of of the track surface, but even even if they don't totally take to it, I think it's it's great for legging a horse up. And I, I think horses that leave Kentucky Downs, whether they're going to Keeneland or, or anywhere else, I think they're they're completely fit when they leave there and, and they're ready to run their best in their next effort. Um, another, one of the, the differences in the spring and fall meet that I always noticed was it, it's, I think it's a lot easier to beat favorites off the layoff in the spring than it is in the fall. In the fall, you you know, you're, I, I think you can beat tired horses over over race horses sometimes in the fall, and you don't get that a lot at Keeneland. But in the spring at Keeneland, you get you get nice horses, talented horses that that go off the favorites and heavy favorites sometimes off previous form. And the, you know, meet in April and with the weather we have in Kentucky, sometimes the horses won't be fit enough to run their best. And, and you can, you can take a, a fit horse of, of, of less ability and, and beat a, a, an overbet favorite a lot of times in that situation. So that's one of the ways that's not exactly your question, but that's one of the ways that that I approach the spring meet and the fall meet a little differently. Great. Well, I'll have to keep an eye out then for those Kentucky Downs shippers from for the next few weeks. Thanks. Well, I have one of those Kentucky Downs shippers. Looking forward to talking about that. Cool. Let's let's uh, we're going to do the Keeneland Pick Five and then the Preakness. We'll start with the Keeneland Pick Five that starts with the sixth race. And that is the Woodford Stakes, a grade two, five and a half furlong turf race, purse of 150000 for three-year-olds and up. Mike is our guest. We'd be delighted for you to start. Okay. This is, it is not a simple race, but for betting purposes, I'm going to try to, to, to narrow it down to two main uses in here. Now, number four, just might who uh, I think will be the controlling speed in the race. And I know he's probably not the most talented horse in this race. This is more just a, a trip play where I like the potential trip that I see just Mike getting. Um, always looking for controlling speed in turf sprints, although that angle doesn't work as well in Keeneland turf sprints as it does at other tracks. But... Um, have to uh, have to heavily consider just might because of, of the speed angle. The other horse I'm interested in is Leanster, the eight. Uh, Rusty Arnold is uh, a Lexington guy that uh, has owners that are usually very interested in doing well at Keeneland. I think Rusty is also, and, and historically, his horses are ready uh, usually to run their best race. At Keeneland and Leinster is the is a horse that his best race is is a pretty good race, so he can be a little in and out at times. But um, he would be uh, my my co first choice. Okay, just might and Leinster, Chris, where did you land here? 
Well, I agree with Mike on just Mike from a, you know, five and a half furlong turf sprint. Anytime a horse looks like he's going to get the lead without a lot of difficulty, really there's nobody in here to challenge him. Then I can see you have to use that horse. Um, five to one is probably about fair value because I do think he's maybe a notch below these others talent wise, but just like Mike said, if he's on the lead, uh, with an easy lead, he'll be tough to run down and who knows, uh, the morning line's kind of flat in here. I call it a lazy morning line where you kind of just assigned a three to one to five to one on every horse in the race. And so, um, I have a feeling one or two of these horses might float up above that morning line and that one of those might be just might. Uh, I use might a lot in that sentence. Um, so he's probably my top pick or, or uh, I don't know, my co-top pick. I, I'm looking for value in the other, the rest of the field. I think Leinster is definitely a, a you know, a contender, but I kind of like fast boat, the two horse who is very fast on his best race. Um, and, He's won at Keeneland. I know this because last year at Keeneland, I cashed a big exacta in the contest um, with Fast Boat, and that actually won me an NAC spot last year at Keeneland. This year, um, we can't go to Keeneland, but um, the horse I know can run well in the fall there. So I see no reason why he couldn't win this race with a, a good trip. And... Uh, you know, of the main contenders, you know, he might be a solid price. Nine to two seems like um, decent value for him. So I would probably go with those two. If I have to pick one for the pod, and it's tough. Um, maybe I have to lean towards just might just because he might win. No, I just I was trying to use his name in there, pun again. Um, I, I just always lean towards speed horses if they can clear early in these turf sprints. So I'll go with just might as the, the top pick. Well, I'm glad you did that, Chris, because that makes just might a triple barreled pod pick, even though, uh, Mike made just might and leanster co-picks. I'm the same way. I would, I agree on just might and fast boat as far as just might, he has a big number on slop that he is circling back to. That was a runaway race on the lead. And that was at the beginning of his four-year-old year. In his last, he had to contend with well-abled who was hell bent on the lead. And this time he's not going to have him. So uh, combine that with that. He's got a little circle back action. He's probably very likely to run his top, his best number, which was that slop race at fairgrounds. The only question is, does he, can he reproduce that top turf number, uh, the top slop number on the turf? And I think, I kind of feel like the price is going to be higher than five to one. There's just, there's too many horses in here. So that's just my, and fast boat, he would be my top pick if, if he hadn't done this one thing, he, he was entered in a stake. It might've been at Kentucky Downs recently. And he looked good in the race, and he was going to be my pick, but he scratched. And I'm not sure why he scratched, but he is pretty consistently fast, and I would make him the main threat. So I would definitely use both those in the pick five. And, um, well, there's probably a few that I want to use, but I don't want to, I don't want to go on and on. Um, what else did you have to say about this race, Mike? 
Well, I'll I'll throw out my I haven't really decided whether it'd be my B or C line, but um, two, five, and six would be the other horses since we're focusing more on pick five selection. They would be the the backup plays in there. That would be fast boat, chaos theory, and chaps. So uh, you know if you're looking to go deeper, those are horses that 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 I would consider fast boat. I guess for for all the reasons that um, that you guys mentioned, that that all sounded uh, very familiar to me. Those reasons and uh, uh, chaos theory. I, I, I'm always, um, it's one thing uh, that uh, we're doing this before Friday's card. So one thing that I always focus a lot on is I believe in hot trainers, hot jockeys. I think they're just like any other participants in that they're, you know, you're on sometimes. Sometimes you're just doing your average thing. And there's other times where you just can't get it done no matter what. So uh, I'm very interested to see how, uh, Rispoli will be riding at Keeneland. I expect he'll be riding very well, especially on the turf. So I'm going to give his horses a little extra look uh, the first couple of days until I see something different that would that would make me alter that. That's one of the reasons for uh, tossing chaos theory in. Chris, are you going to jump in here? Yeah, I am. Um, I like, um, you know, chaos theory is interesting for a couple of reasons. I totally agree with Spoli's a great turf rider and I'm sure he'll pick up at Keeneland, you know, right where he left off in Southern California. Another interesting thing about chaos theory is, um, back in February at the fairgrounds, he was only beaten a neck by just Mike at five and a half furlongs on the turf. So, if we like just might, you got to figure chaos theory fits in there. And he actually finished ahead of fast boat in that same race. So, um, yeah, you've got these same three horses, the two horses that Scott and I like, um, are fast boat and just might. So it seems like we almost have to, to, um, be interested in chaos theory, especially with the uh, trainer change and, and, you know, Rispoli and the iron. So I'm with Mike on that one. Um, with regards to the scratching of fast boat at Kentucky Downs, I think that was just a, they chose to run here instead of there. The races were only a few weeks apart and this is not a horse they typically wheel back. I think they just decided they'd rather run it at a grade two at Keeneland than that race at Kentucky Downs. So I'm not, that doesn't really bother me much. Um, so that's about all I would add in. Okay. I will, um, chime in on a couple of horses. I don't really like chaos theory. I, I don't, I don't think he's fast enough and everybody I've heard even express an, uh, an opinion on jockey is in love with Rusvoli. And for that reason, I think he's going to be over bet. Uh, he also has like a sizzling workout from last week, uh, 46 and one best out of 53. And I don't know. I just working out that fast and then flying. I, I doesn't 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 feel right to me. So I, I think horse that I would exclude because if he is five to one or lower, I would not uh, like. There's value in not using him because especially if you don't think he's going to win, which I don't think he's going to. 
the one other horse that I would have an opinion on is Extravagant Kid. He is close to the favorite, if not the favorite. He's five to two. I think you have to use this horse. Even though he's 0 for 3 at Keeneland, I just noticed that. But he's circling back to a top number. And you know he got nailed by Diamond Oops in that last race. But the fact that he... Finished second was it was just it was it was a good effort and there was no shame in getting beat by Diamond Oops. So I, I would say you have to use Extravagant Kid and if you can't use him, uh, maybe don't play the pick five. Well, in that race actually, Diamond Oops had a dream run up the rail and Extravagant Kid had trouble. So I I would say he was the better horse in the race. So I agree. I I didn't mention him, but because he's going to be one of the favorites. But yeah, I agree. He's he had excuses in his last couple. He hasn't had very good trips in the last few races. And, and you know, if he gets a good trip, he definitely could win. I just think it's funny that because he's coming off a sizzling work and he has a great rider. <laughs> well, I think he's going to be over bet because of that. And I don't think he's fast enough. Just because he worked out fast doesn't mean he's fast enough to win a race. I guess, but we, you know, we both like just might and fast boat, and he was right there at the wire when he ran against him earlier in the year. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just think it's kind of funny. That, that's interesting logic, but I agree. His well, best fit figures aren't quite as fast as some of the others for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, when when I'm I'm putting a lot of weight on just might running the the best race of the year today, you know, on Saturday. So, so that's, that's why I think that he's poised to run his best. Whereas he, he was coming off the top when he ran against chaos theory in the last race. Um, that's, and, and he still won. He won, even though he was coming off a big slop top. So that impressed me. Oh, I totally agree. I, I, I like just might as well. It's just, I don't get the, the hate for chaos theory as all. <laughs> Well, I don't hate but, him. I, I don't hate him, but I don't, you know, but you know, I just, I, I think he's, there's not going to be value there. So I think there might be value in excluding the horse. The right. other thing. Okay. Just one other thing on, um, chaos theory is, uh, uh okay, let, we can move on. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the seventh race at Keeneland. It's the thoroughbred club of America, a grade two, six furlongs on dirt. 200,000 for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. Chris, what did you think? Um, I don't have a lot of exciting things to say on this race. I think it's very chalky, but I definitely like Ladies Island. She's just a wind machine. I don't think she's been out of the – I think she's – I don't think she's been off the board for a couple of years. I think she's only one time been out of the exacta. I think she's the speed of the speed. She drew a nice outside post. Um, she's actually, you know, uh, the ownership group is some previous pod guests we've had. Duke and, and Paul Matisse are part owners of this horse, so I'll be cheering for it as well. Um, I just see this horse as the one to beat, so I'm probably just going to single the seven Ladies Island. There's a couple other good horses in here, but they'll be favorites as well. Um, so I don't think you can use them all. So my, I'll go with the seven Ladies Island. Ladies Island, uh, definitely the fastest horse in the race. Question of whether she can run the fastest race today. Mike, what did you think? 
making for uh, a boring podcast, I'm going to come in right behind Chris with Ladies Island. Um, but a, 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 just more of a slight lean for me. I only see two horses that that I have an interest in using here. I'll I'll make Ladies Island the top pick, and I think sneaking out to me would be the only other horse that I could use in a pick. Um, Ladies Island, for a lot of the same reasons, um, looks to be controlling speed, a horse that loves to win. Um, Danny Gargan, I think, is still a, a somewhat underrated trainer. Uh, very impressed with him and his work. Um, as far as sneaking out, I, I would expect her to to lay off of Ladies Island. I think the, the one hole in uh, uh, sprint races at Keeneland uh, tends to break a little slowly. Rispoli is a patient rider in most instances. So um, I think uh, when you, you know, you always ask yourself the question, uh, would the, would sneaking out, drawing the one pole be tempted to send and try to get up inside Ladies Island? I don't think she, I don't think she can really do that anyway, but uh, with this, uh, with this rider, I think that's highly unlikely. And that makes me more confident in uh, the outcome that that the winner should be either the either the seven ladies island or the one sneaking out. All right, the pace projector and on Timeform US has ladies island with a clear lead. It completely makes sense. I made my top picks sneaking out. I agree with you that the horse is a contender, and I think she's about to run the race of her life. So she's a pretty strong play for me. Uh, I might just single her and and not use Ladies Island, just be just because uh, there's some possible chinks in, in in her. But I would if I use them both, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame anybody for using Ladies Island. And my plan is to use both. But if I can't make it affordable, then I might just uh, single sneaking out. Who I would guess is not going to be the favorite at five to two maybe ladies island gets bet more i don't know but i i haven't studied the race enough to to be able to say with authority on which one will be the favorite just officially on sneaking out um and it's unfortunately either so i can't say how she finished in her last but she was fast as a two-year-old she didn't really do anything as the, at the age of three but she started developing as a four-year-old She's only improved a little bit off her two-year-old best. So I think she's poised to run the race of her life, and that's where I might get value is by singling her in this pick. Yeah, I um, the the one horse you didn't mention, I think, is a contender, um, is the two-horse Dos Vinos, who this year really hasn't done anything wrong. She did set off a, a hot pace in the May race at Churchill and won. And then she kind of pressed a slower pace last time and won. So I think she has some versatility and she's never been off the board. Um, maybe she gets overlooked a little bit in here. She's only the fourth choice on the morning line. Again, it's a pretty flat morning line. I don't think the morning line odds maker at Keeneland's taking many chances with the morning line here. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the two 
ran well as as well. Um, but you know, after that, I think it's I think those are the three contenders: the one, two, and seven. I would sort of agree that Dos Vinos, it, it might be a bad idea to not use that horse. I, I can I can see it. Um, so the only reason why I might not is just because I, I think sneaking out really looks like she's she's going to explode today. Any other thoughts on this one, Mike? Not a lot, but um, I do remember uh, the two Dos Vinos, her damn Gatorette, I believe broke her maiden at Keeneland and was a Keeneland lover. So uh, that probably doesn't hurt your case. I'm I'm not gonna uh, not gonna go any further than the seven and the one. But uh, if I chose a third horse or if I look for something on the bottom of the try, uh, number five, Palace Avenger, lightly raised horse that I like her figure pattern. Think she might move forward a little here. Nice nice move over the track. Um, so that would probably be my third choice. Yeah, now Palace Avenger needs to improve to win this race, but and I haven't seen the replays of the last two races, but she's got a good pattern, so who knows? Um, <laughs> everything is uh, every, everything is dependent on studying more on these races because we don't have that much time to study the pick five before we do the pod. So I respect that uh, possible use of Palace Adventure. Yeah, That's I was cons- I just okay. I was considering her. I'm just the main concern I have with her is I I just don't know if she can keep up early with Ladies Island, and if she does, I think it might take something out of her in the late part of the race. I because I th- do think she needs to be right there up on the lead. Yeah, that's one thing I haven't had a chance to do is really look at the pace dynamics. That's why I was relying on Timeformer US pace projector. <laughs> Let's move on to the eighth race. It's the first lady, a grade one mile on the turf, a purse of 350000 for Phillies mares, three-year-olds and up. Mike, where did you land here? Ooh, really tough race for me, Scott. Um a lot of what I call cross currents here, things I, I like about horses and things I, I dislike about the, about the same horse. So um, no strong opinion, uh, forced to make a, or encouraged to make a top selection. Um, I, I think I'll go with Uni, just hoping that uh, I can forgive her last race. Uh, I thought the the turf course at Saratoga was significantly biased rail and speed that day. And and I have her two wide out to three wide. Uh, You know, she wasn't doing a lot of running at the end of the race, but there were a lot of of very uh, accomplished horses in there that weren't doing a lot of running at the end of the race. So, um, you know, I have, I have questions about her, hence my, my uh, cross current comment, but, um, my 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 questions about her is she's been such an extraordinary mayor uh, that on a on a pod that I did a few weeks ago I I questioned if maybe she'd lost a step after her June 27th race in just a game I still worry about that and of course the last performance even though I can excuse it from a bias perspective 
um, you know, it, 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 I still have those same concerns about has she lost a step. But um, given the way I see the race, if if, uh, if I need to make a selection on top, I would go with Uni the five. The big question on Uni, has she lost it or not? And will the betting reflect that? Chris, what did you think? I kind of agree with Mike on Uni. She's the best horse. She had an excuse in her last, and we're going to talk about that. That that race, I think, was extremely biased against anybody but the the front runner. And um, so I think she's the most likely winner. And maybe she has lost a step. Even if she's lost a step, I think she's the most likely winner. But her stablemate newspaper of record is good, and she will control this race from the start. There's really no other speed in here. Um, so those two Chad Brown horses will get bet, and they're both the most likely winners. So I'm not real excited about this race. It probably will come down to those two. Um, trying to find some value, and there's two possibilities. Um, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go, but I think I'm going to go with Daddy is a legend because I think she's rounding into form. And like Mike said, Rusty Arnold tends to do well in Kentucky and at Keeneland in particular. So I think maybe she's rounding into the form and her best race last year was probably good enough to, to compete in here. So maybe she gets overlooked. There's one other one who I think in here might have a shot, but I'll let Scott weigh in before I say anything else. So I agree. This one looks pretty chalky with the Chad Brown horses, but maybe daddy is a legend could upset. Yeah, that's a tough, tough, tough race. There are questions about every horse in here. Uh, we have that question about Uni. We have the question of whether newspaper record is effective on firm turf. She's going to get bet. Um, so with all these question marks, with the exception of Bo Recall, who doesn't really have a question mark, she's just solid. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and make Delika my top pick. She's circling toward her best race. I still have to watch replays, but if she can improve on her best, which sometimes happens when they circle back, they 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 run not only their best race, but even a new top, their best race ever. She could possibly surprise in here. I think she can stay in touch with newspaper of record, who's likely to set a very slow pace. Uh, there's one other sort of no-hoper in there that may muck up the pace scenario. But I, I think Delica can uh, – let's put it this way. I wouldn't want to not use her, and I would also use Bo Recall, and I would I would fade Uni because I think she has lost a step. I think uh, the Breeders' Cup last year was a race that took the starch out of her. Anything else, Mike? Yeah, I do have a couple other things. Uh, like, like I said, this is – a you know, this is not a race I'm going to take a stand in. Uh, this is more of a survive and advance race in the picks for me. So uh, my survive and advance numbers are one, three, four, five. So Bo Recall, Daddy is a legend, 
newspaper record in Uni, four horses in a six-horse field. But uh, uh, I just don't totally trust anyone in here. I do know that Daddy is a legend. Uh, she needs firm turf, and uh, she should get that today. I'm I'm sitting in Lexington on uh, on Friday morning, and everything looks good for uh, for a nice tight turf course for for tomorrow. So, um, I, I, you know, I think that'll uh, that'll bring out Daddy as a legend's best race if she gets that surface with Rusty at Keeneland. Uh, but at the same time, there's just a lot of ways to look at this race. Newspaper record is, is going to get a great setup on the front end, controlling the pace. Probably the, the, her pace challenger is the six horse who Crystal Lake, who's, you know, really uh, overmatched here, in my opinion. So great setup for the for newspaper of record. So it's hard to, you know, even though I'm I question her current form, I, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be negative on a horse that's gonna get such a nice uh, pace and trip scenario. Bo Recall, um, I thought beat her on the square last time, but Bo Recall has to pick up six pounds. I'm not a big weight guy, but when you're dealing with, with Philly and Mayors, I, when it gets around that 124 pound level, it, you know, it makes me take notice. So that concerns me about her. Um, it, it, it's just a race. I, but my my theory is um, in, in these long picks, like pick fives and pick sixes, I I don't want to get too cute. I want I would rather split hairs in a in a race like that first race, the turf sprint, the first leg of the pick five, than try to split hairs in a race like like the first lady, where I just don't really have an opinion. Yeah, I would say I'm more negative on Beau Recall. I think picking up that weight is big. I, the, the horse gets us when it gets the setup, it can win, but it only wins when it gets a setup. And it got it last time, and it was getting in light relative to the newspaper record. I don't think it gets a setup in here. And, um, you know, I just don't think it, it, it's a nice, solid running. Um, I don't think I think it'll run well, but it, it's just not going to win. I don't think so. Uh, as a win bet, at two to one, don't like that one at all. The Lika, I was the other one I was considering. The problem is, I think, and I think her stable agrees with this too, is that she's probably better sprinting as a closing sprinter. Although she did finally hold on routing, and it was at Kentucky Downs, so going to Mike's some um, angle of you know fitness. Um, coming out of the Kentucky Downs race, that could help. So maybe she has turned the corner, and now she can actually finish off races that are routes. But, I mean, if you look at all most all her previous routes, she's usually given up ground late, which I don't like at all in turf routes. Horses that tend to give up the lead in that last 16th or 8th of a mile. So that's the thing that made me nervous about her. But maybe she has turned the corner, and maybe she's like dead fit, sitting on her best race, and, and and she'll be able to do that. But I don't know at this level if she can hold off um, good horses late in the stretch. But at ten to one, you know, I might be willing to roll the dice on her, and maybe higher. Possibly, yeah. You know, just because you know, Uni and Newspaper Record could get really crushed, and Bo Recall. 
All right, let's move to the next one. It's the ninth race, the Breeders' Futurity Grade 1 Mile and a 16th on Dirt, 400000 for two-year-olds. Chris, why don't you get us started? All right, these are always really tough races. We had one last week. These two-year-old fall races around two turns because you have so many horses that are lightly raced most of which have never been the distance. Um, so you can make a case for a lot of these. I I do like a horse quite a bit in here, and it's the nine-horse King Fury. Um, one of the things I like about this horse is that it has been the distance. It won its debut going two turns, which I always like to see. And it's really well-bred. I mean, it's almost a million-dollar yearling by Curlin out of Therese, I think is how you pronounce the name. She was a really nice mare. So this horse is bred to be a good one. And it won at first asking for Ken McPeak, and he does not typically win with two-year-olds, um, first-time starters routing. So the fact that this horse kind of overcame that training tendency is big. And what's even more interesting is McPeak is really good second time routing, second time starters in two-year-old dirt routes. So to me, there's a lot going for this horse. And um, the 12 to 1 morning line, uh, if that holds up to me, that's that's your play, the 9 King Fury. King Fury started even wider than the 9 post in his debut. Mike, what did you think? I thought this was a very hard race. I, um, that's an interesting pick, Chris. I, I, I always, I, I had included that horse in my spread for this race and, uh, you know, thought I was maybe reaching a little bit, but that makes me feel better that, uh, that you're on the horse. And I know from past experience in Kentucky, especially in these two-year-old stake races going long, no one better than Ken McPeak. I don't know exactly how he does it, but he he has the formula for getting horses ready for uh, these two-year-old route stakes. He's done it year after year with, with, with many horses, so uh, I never underestimate him in that spot. I just found this to be a, a maddening race. Um, you get the you get put in the position of having to make the decision uh, of choosing between horses that are of less talent that have been uh, a mile, let's say, or uh, uh, hardly any of them two turns, um, versus horses that have that have started once that won impressively or ran impressively in a sprint and now they're stretching out so from i i really struggle in this type of race um i tried to do some pedigree work here and the the two horse upstriker uh i believe that family the female family is is very competent at a, at a route of ground. Um, not, you know, I think the jury's still out on upstart on how, you know, I think he's, he's off to a great start, 
but we don't have a lot of data on how his horses are going to stretch out. Um, just makes this a very, very hard race for me. Um, if, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm trying to come up with a couple of horses to put on top, I'm, I'm going to go with, with the one uh, super stock, even though I know he's not the most talented horse in here. I, I trust him at, at, uh, at the two turns a little more than, than some of the horses that look to be more talented. The other horse that, that I would be particularly interested in would be the seven calibrate. Um, just the, that particular mare didn't show a lot of route uh, in the family, but, uh, you know, very few dinoformer mares that, that their offspring won't get a distance. So, uh, I'm going to use more horses than this, but for the top, uh, for the top pick, I would go one seven in there. All right. I think this is a race that you have to go deep in for sure. <clears throat> I did land on the same horse as Chris King Fury. He started wide. He had to go three wide first turn, four wide second turn. It was a big field. I think it was a field of 12. He's probably going to have a little easier trip this way, this time. He won't have to go as wide. He looked fairly professional, and they're saying it's going to be a pretty hot pace. So I fully expect him to improve. And uh, as noted, that dam, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Terrace, Therese, uh, Incredibly fast sprinter and router. Uh, I would also use Dixie's two stents for sure. Route bred and was two to one in his last race, which was a stake versus Dr. Scheibel. He slammed into the horse next to him at the start, and he wasn't the same. I mean, clearly, like, he just, he, he wasn't involved. He was in, in just about last most of the way. I would toss the race because Doug O'Neill can do this. He can come into Kentucky and win with a long shot. So I don't think I would toss any of these. If, if humanly possible, I will try to use all in this race and possibly not even play the pick five just because this is the race where so many of the horses, you know, it's their second start. You just, you don't know how much they're going to improve or regress from their first. Yeah, I agree with everything you both said pretty much. I just feel like King Fury is great value at assuming that you get that morning line or higher. And I think given all the other horses in the race, you might. Um, he's proven to get the distance. He he made several moves in that race. He made move in the backside, and then he made a move in the stretch. And you know, I just like the horses that have shown they can get the distance. And I do think there'll be a lot of pace in front of him and the nine post is a little bit concerning but i think they'll string out early and and cory lannery really values saving ground so i think you know he's not going to go three or four wide on both turns with this horse so um to me he looks like good value I, i'm not saying he's a lock or anything but it's just kind of hard in this sort of race um i just hate it if you spread because you can end up with the four or the the seven winning at three to one and you spread out on a bunch of horses. So this might actually prevent me from playing the pick five. Um, but if I do, I probably won't spread. I'll probably go with King Fury and maybe one or two other horses. 
matches. Um, I won't spread out. Not that I don't think the rest can win, but I just don't see that as a, a good strategy for making money long term on the pick five. Uh, I understand that. Um, maybe the answer is to press up with King Fury. I will say that uh, I looked up talking. Ken McPeak, second start, graded stakes, routing two-year-olds. And he's six for 51 with a 216 ROI, which isn't huge, but he won with Restless Rider. He won with Signal Man. He won with Pat on the Back. Uh, that was at, at Belmont. That was a 20 to one. He won with a 17 to one Cairo cat in the Iroquois. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a good play. I, and everything is dependent on what my final analysis is, but I, I understand that kind of going skinny here and just taking a chance. All right. Well, I will uh, assume by the silence that Mike has nothing else to add. So, interrupt me if you do. If uh, if you're throwing it to me, I, the only thing I would say is is like kind of what you guys were saying. Like races like this are nightmares in pits. Um, so, uh, uh, I'd much rather play this race uh, in the in the try and the super because I you know I think then. I, I'm a lot more comfortable because I can look at horses like Superstock and King Fury and, you know, feel confident that they're going to pass horses, some of these horses that won't stretch out and, you know, put tickets together to try to take advantage of tiring horses that don't really want the route of ground. And in, in, in my way of thinking, this race lends itself to verticals much better than it lends itself to horizontals. Totally agree. Let's move to the sixth, the fifth, uh, the fifth race of our six. It's the Shadwell Turf Mile, the tenth race at Keeneland, a Grade One Mile on the Turf, purse of seven hundred fifty thousand for three year olds and up. Mike, what did you think? Uh you're tired of hearing me say this, but it, it's it's another tough race. Um, my problem in this race is that you have um, you have horses that are well drawn, like the one and the two that I feel confident are going to get good trips in this race. That are what our friend Annie Serling would call dressed up. You know, they're they're coming off biased uh, track where they got favorable scenarios. The Halliday, the two, uh, getting a especially favorable scenario. So uh, it, 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 but then it, he projects them to make the lead again, Halliday. So um, it, it will be hard for him to get a better trip than he got last time, but it makes the race very, very hard because uh, I, I'm, you know, I try very hard not to bet dress up horses. And yet, you know, they're the horses I feel like are going to get the best trips. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I dig really deep in here and just try to come out with, with some value, um, I'm, I'm probably going to go with, uh, with, with parole um, 
just thinking that that he might get a good trip, be able to save some ground and, uh, you know, uh, pull back one of his better races. Although, you know, he's a horse I'm not, uh, I'm not totally in love with. One of the Chads, one of four Chads. It'll be interesting to see. Chris, what did you think? Well, I think it's the first race where Mike and I really do kind of a difference of opinion. I agree with him that Holiday is all dressed up. I mean, he had a perfect trip last time, and I think he gets a lot of pace pressure in here from the 10-horse Spectacular Jim and the 8-horse Analyze It. So I think Spectacular Jim will go with him early, and Analyze It will sit right off, and he'll put pressure on him much earlier than he had last time. So I am definitely negative Holiday, but I was – I thought Casa Creed ran a great race. He was the only horse that did any closing at all on that day. And um, he had some trouble in that race. I thought he didn't really get a chance to to run. And he's been really working well since. So, and he draws the rail in here. I wish he had a, a better rider, but I, I think Casa Creed, especially if you get 12 to 1, is, is a great play in here. And he's probably my pod pick. Um, so, you know, that, I, I think we kind of have a difference of opinion there on, on that last race. Um, there is, you know, the other horse I like in here is analyze it, who is just, um, Chad Brown has done this. He did it with bricks and more last year. These horses that are, have a lot of talent, something goes wrong. They're off for a year or two. And then he comes back as if, you know, the, they didn't miss a step. And this horse, you know, had a really nice comeback race, was a fast three-year-old and could be much faster as, at five. And I think could sit a perfect trip just uh, stalking Halliday and then going to the lead um, when they go into the stretch and then, you know, finishing off from there. So I, I like Casa Creed and analyze it from a value perspective. Casa Creed will probably be better value, but analyze it may get overlooked with a lot these all these other Chad Brown horses in the race. So, you know, those are the two I probably like, and I am against Halliday. So that and there's other contenders for sure in here. Scott may have an opinion on one or two of those, but that's my main opinions in the race. I was expecting to have a nice price surprise, but you stole it from me, Chris. Now I still have to watch replays. And I will just, if I change my top pick, I'll tweet whoever I do it, uh, whoever I decide on. But the horse that intrigued me most was Casa Creed. He looks like he's about to do what Halliday just did, which is run his best race ever as a four-year-old. And I think he'll be a huge price. He beat Raging Bull without parole and Uni in his last. Now, if Mike is correct about that, rail bias because I guess he got had an inside trip behind Halliday in the last race, then that will, you know, then he's, he's not going to run well, but I, he just, to me, he, he looks the most interesting. He's got the most interesting uh, pattern on the sheets. He's, he's been fast in his three races as a two-year-old. I mean, as a four-year-old, and he's he's always been fast. He 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 didn't even try turf until uh, he was a three year old. He ran a, a few solid races on the dirt. So 
to me, he's, he's, he's the one that I'm most interested in and I don't have, uh, exhaustive analysis, but I, I do know that I was really considering, uh, raging bull. I don't know. I have to look at that, um, that last race again. And if you're correct, Mike, um, then he was a victim because I was looking for what, what the, I, I want to see if there's an excuse for raging bull for his bad race. Cause he is a, you know, he's, he's an impressive horse. And then the other one that I was interested in was to analyze it. So, so those will be the three that I would definitely use, uh, for sure at this time. And that's about all I have to say on the race. Let me touch on Casa Creek because this is a, this is, this is great. I really respect your guys' handicapping opinion. And this is a great example for the listeners about how competent handicappers can see the, the, the same horse in a lot of different lights. Um, I'll, I'll touch on the way I see Casa Creek and I can definitely, you know, I can definitely be wrong in this instance, but I had the track that day, rail favoring and speed favoring at Saratoga in the four-star days. <clears throat> now, I know Casa Creek came from off the pace, and the pace was soft. So he, he did overcome that, and, and he didn't get the cleanest trip up the rail. But what I saw at Saratoga uh, on the inner when, uh, when the track was playing the way it was that day is that the horse that that made the lead and the horse that pressed got, got good setups and usually ran well. And the horse that worked its way through on the inside and was what I would term the rail closer, didn't need to really sit in the pocket, but they found their way through on the turn and were, and were able to close up the rail and stretch. Uh, those horses tended to run okay. So that's my, my thesis in thinking that Casa Creed may have been helped a little bit last time. So in my way of thinking, I, I downgrade the last race and I go back and, and, uh, and try to see another race that would be good enough to beat this field. And when I look at him that way, I just, I just don't see it. Um, he projects to get a good trip today. I, you know, I fear him for that reason. And he's an improving uh, horse. So, you know, it was a four-year-old that, that, that could jump up and, and run better. So, uh, you know, he concerns me, but uh, I'm and, – and I hate to take a stand in a, in a race that uh, – or criticize a horse in a race that I don't have a, a strong opinion in. But uh, I, when I look at without parole, uh, May 25th, the race at Santa Anita – I know he had a bunch of trouble in there and I put him on my watch list and thought, you know, this horse is, is, is sitting on a very good race. Uh, when he ran at Keeneland and lost the war will, I bet him that day, uh, he didn't get a terrible trip, but he didn't get a great trip. And it, it was just in a position where the race kind of got away from him. He could never really get in a spot to uncork that run when he did he, he finished up well and if I forgive him for his last race where uh I just thought he never got in the in a in a winning position the way that turf course was playing 
I, I just see him as a as a significant danger and and splitting hairs. Uh, you know, that's where I would go. But this race is definitely a spread race for me. Well, I, I would. I'm just looking at without parole again, and his numbers say yeah for sure. So. You know, the negative about the Keeneland race is that he got beat by War of Will, who then did nothing in the Woodbine Mile. I'd have to look at um, all the races, and that's why I think replay work is uh, important. But at 12 to 1, with parole is a definite use. So I'd have to kind of go deep in this race, I think. Yeah, I I mean these turf races um are always come down to the trips. I mean there's not there's no dominant horse in here. The only horse I think could possibly dominate would be analyze it because I think it should get a really good trip sitting off um the leaders. And this is a horse that was really talented as a three year old and could run a monster race it's too it's too if it's developed over the two years um second off the layoff you know this horse could pop a really big race so you know that's the only one i see you know maybe dominating this race um and it very well may not and then it always comes down to the trips and if there's any biases or anything and you know i could see without parole winning um i have a feeling that 12 to 1 morning line won't hold up but i could be wrong the other trad brown horse flavius um is another one of the examples of these horses that you know off the layoff he can get them back to running big races and he's coming out of a an off the basic kentucky downs that was really good and we mike's already mentioned how that can get them fit so you know that horse certainly could win in here so yeah it's a wide open race the economy probably come down in the trips um, I think you want to demand a price. And I do think Halliday is a play against. I mean, that's where Mike and I don't totally agree that that last race, he had everything his own way. And he probably won't this time. So, and he probably will be the favorite or at least a, one of the top two favorites. So I think him as a play against is one thing we all agree on. But after that, it gets pretty wide open. Yeah, I would agree with playing against Halliday. I mean, you know, that was his peak effort. And if he's five to two, it's, it's a good time to bet against him. Like if he's going to react, it's going to be today. Agree. Well, I think we're ready to move on to the Preakness. It's, I don't have the details on the Preakness, but you know, it's a mile and three sixteenths at Pimlico worth a lot of money. Chris, what did you think of that race? Well, um, if for those who listen to the pod regularly, won't be surprised that I'm really high on art collector. I felt like he was one of the top three-year-olds all year long. He's just incredibly versatile. He, he has that tactical speed, but he's sort of a push-button horse. So if they're going slow, he's happy to take the lead. If they're going fast, he's happy to sit off. And, you know, he seems to always finish his races. Uh, I think the weather forecast is good, but he can handle an off-track if it's not. Um, just a lot to like there. Um, I thought Authentic 
really benefited when Art Collector scratched and King Guillermo scratched. Um, he kind of had it all his own way last time. And I think, I mean, in this race with Art Collector and Swiss Skydiver in the race, he won't get that same comfortable trip. And I think Art Collector is just the best horse. And um, he's probably going to win the race. And last time he and Art, uh, he and Swiss Skydiver hooked up Turned out to be a really good day for me, um, betting-wise, so I'm hoping that that karma will continue um, and um, Art Collector will help, help me collect um, at the mutual windows. So I, I really think Art Collector is very strong in here. I know he's not a big price, but with Authentic in the race, I think at least you'll get some decent value. And so to me, I'm all about Art Collector. I have a question for you, Chris. Would you have picked Art Collector in the Derby? Uh, he would have been my co. I would have keyed heavily on he and uh, Honor AP. Those were the two horses I liked going in. I was really disappointed when Art Collector scratched just because I know with all your eggs in one basket, you know, you get a bad start like he, like Honor AP did. And, um, you know, there goes your your chances in a big field. So, I, I definitely would have had a, had a lot of money on Art Collector, and I think the result probably would have been different. I think Art Collector could have won that race or at least had an effect on the outcome. And speaking of, you know, bad starts, uh, Paco Lopez is on Max Player, who's in the eight post just inside of Authentic in the nine hole, who has a tendency to break slowly. So don't be shocked if you see an instant replay of what we saw in the Derby with Max Player veering to a little bit of open space on the right um, and authentic, maybe getting a little bit of early trouble um, in the race. That wouldn't be a surprise to me at all. All right, Mike, what did you think here? That last comment by Chris is, is making me chuckle because uh, I, I've noticed the same, the same thing and wouldn't be surprised if Johnny B is not having nightmares about Paco coming out into him again. Uh, and it's, it's entirely possible that he does. I just see this as, as art collector is the is the horse that I'm interested in. Um, I like his figure pattern. He he, he seems to be still improving. Uh, the race at Ellis last time was such a mismatch. It's hard to really rely on the you know on the figure there because he won so easily. Um, Drury is usually his trainer. Tom Drury is, uh, I've always thought, is is good on uh, on this type of spacing with his horses. And uh, uh, assuming that he has bounced back, which his workouts seem to say that he's bounced back fine from from his injury, um, I, I would just think Art Collector has so much going for him. I, I see this as a as a soft paced um, freakness. And uh, I, I, I realized that the, uh, uh, at least when I looked at the uh, pace projector, they, they, had it, they had it rated fast, but I'm just trying to read between the lines here. And Robbie Alvarado is on Swiss Skydiver. I think that's, um, uh, at this point in Alvarado's career, certainly that's a that's a rider downgrade, um, and I'm 
you know, I'm just not sure uh, that that's the way if I'm riding or training Swiss skydiver that that that's the way I'm going to approach that is to send her hard up inside authentic who you know it has to go. Um, I, and, and thousand words has speed, but being another Baffert, I, you know, I don't think he gets involved in the early pace. Um, New York traffic, I guess, could, but uh, probably, uh, you know, probably not. I just don't see the uh, the hot pace. I, I I would say, you know, I'm I'm anticipating an average or perhaps even a slightly soft pace. Um, given that scenario, art collectors should be able to attend that pace. Um, and the the only way that I that I really seem getting beat in here is if if authentic somehow is able to control the pace the way that he did last time. If 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 Swiss Skydivers connections decide uh, that they don't want to go dual inside of him, which I think there's some chance of that, um, then Authentic would, you know, may get a, a nice controlling uh, trip without having to expend too much energy. So I guess my long-winded uh, way of saying um, that the, the way I would approach this race is I would try to um, to get live to art collectors singled in picks. And then I think it would be easy to buy cheap insurance with a 9.3 exacta, or perhaps even to box that. Well, I know it's not paying much, but the way I think is, you know, hopefully get live to a nice payoff in the picks with art collector and be able to protect myself with against one horse. So if you narrow it down to, uh, uh, as much as that, then even a, a shorter price exacta, uh, it's easy to cover your your previous bet. So um, it, I like situations like that where it looks to me like the closers are really compromised in this race because I just don't I don't think they're that good and I don't think that they're going to get uh, anything any kind of pace significant pace to run at. Uh, only other thing I would mention would be. It, it looks like a free-for-all as far as who might run, you know, who's the long shot closer to try to get third or fourth in here. Um, I'm, I'm not, don't have a strong opinion about this, but a horse I would mention would be Mr. Big News. Uh, just didn't really like him going into his last race, but um, that horse improves every time he runs. And, I know to to respect horses like that, so uh, I, I'm going to make him the horse that might surprise a little underneath in, in uh, some of the uh, uh, verticals. Well, I hate to jump on the bandwagon, another triple-barreled pod pick, but I like our collector. I would have bet against him in the Derby because I didn't really like the pattern with the rest that he had going into the Derby. But now that that is mitigated by an additional month off. He's he had his best five furlong work ever since the last race. So 
I'm going to keep it simple. I'm just go with Art Collector. And I, I think Authentic has a, a hell of a shot, too. So uh, only those two for me. And I think uh, I do think that Swiss Skydiver has a shot. She's probably going to she's going to be right near the lead for sure, because that's really the only way they're going to be able to ride her from that post position. So, uh, you know, if I was going to play a super, I would use our collector over Mr. Big News, Swiss Skydiver, Authentic, and Pneumatic. And I'm sure Chris has some things to say about Pneumatic. Yeah, the uh, the rest, Pneumatic's the one I like the best. Uh, I think he's always shown talent, and I really liked his last race. I don't like the post, and I'm I'm just not quite sure how far this horse wants to run. Um, but I like the fact it did finish off his last race. It had did, did have a tendency to kind of um, give up a little bit in the stretch in the prior races against better competition. So that makes me a little nervous. But to me, of the horses after the top two, which I agree with both of you, Art Collector, number one, and Authentic, you know, the, the main threat. Um, I like pneumatic. I'm not as high on Swiss Guide ever. Not that I don't think she's a good horse, but she's been he heavily raced. And, you know, I think definitely those last few races were, were the primary targets with this horse. And this is more of kind of an afterthought. Let's see if we can beat the boys kind of thing. Um, I don't think it was a target. So to me, she's probably not going to run her best in here. And even if she does, you know, she ran against Art Collector and got her doors blown off um, before when she pretty much had a no-excuse trip in, on that day. So to me, you know, Art Collector will beat her even if she fires her best, and I'm not really convinced that she'll do that. Uh, those are pretty good points. So maybe Swiss Skydiver is a fade. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a, many of the preconces where it looks like the logical horses. So I'm not as excited about it, but I do think the pick five there at Pimlico may be interesting. Yeah. And I agree with Mike, you know, what's nice is you can turn it into a pick four. If you have the strong opinion on art collector, like um, all three of us do um, that always makes that pick four a little more interesting, especially if there's another horse in the sequence that you really like. You know, all of a sudden you can turn it into a pick three and spread out in some of the other races and maybe catch a price. So I am sort of more interested in this pick five at Pimlico probably than than the um, pick five at Keeneland just because I didn't have those strong opinions um, at Keeneland. Well, uh, I guess that's about it for this pod. Any spot plays, you guys? Uh, I, I looked at Pimlico, but I I haven't looked at it for 24 hours, so I don't remember. And I don't remember uh, if I really liked anybody. Any spot plays, Mike? Uh, no, I, I really haven't looked any any further than uh, the races that we've talked about uh, so far. Yeah, I um, I really like uh, Landis Cog, the five horse in the seventh race. I think he'll just destroy that field. And Admiral Lynch may take some money, so maybe Landis Cog won't be odds on. You know, he might be 
he's five to two on the morning line. I don't think you'll get that, but maybe you get two to one or eight to five or something. But to me, you single Landeskog, you single our collector, and this is an interesting pick five. I think you can, you got some flexibility in the other legs, and you know maybe you can uh, catch a price. So I think they're both very solid um, plays. So anytime I can have two strong opinions like that for not with horses that aren't odds on types, um, where I feel real strongly about them, like our collector and Landeskog. Um, that's always a good sign for me for the pick five because now I can focus on trying to find some prices in those other three horses and I can spread out um, and, and you know be kind of flexible in terms of trying to catch a price. So um, Landeskog, the five horse, I like him quite a bit in that seventh race. Fantastic. Well, I would like to thank our guest, Mike Maloney. Mike, thanks for the time, taking the time to handicap with us. You're very welcome. Enjoyed it, and good luck to everyone on Saturday. All right, and I know you're not that active on Twitter. Should I give out your Twitter handle? <laughs> Only if people are looking in a uh, once-a-month tweet. But, uh, uh, you know, I pick up the uh, the, the phone to, to uh, post a tweet lots of times, and usually about the time I start, a race begins somewhere and I lose my train of thought and I'm focused on my, my work and the tweet never gets sent. So uh, that's, that's my problem with Twitter. What is your handle? Because uh, you tweet so rarely that I don't even know what the handle is. <laughs> it's at Silk1900. S-I-L-K 1900. Silk1900. Okay, so, so what's the story behind that handle? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, too far in the weeds. I think oh, okay. was my nickname that, that all my friends call, called me, uh, like in college and 1900, my initials are MCM, which is 1900 in Roman numerals. Wow. You how's really that? had to unpack how's that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. How's that, how's that for out in the weeds? Well, that's that's pretty good. It's nice to have a story behind. Do you know the story behind Chris's handle? Uh, I do not. It's Derby one five nine two. Yes, I've seen that. But and what, I'll let so I'll let I'll let Chris uh, explain. What well, that that's the uh, the winning time for Secretariat's Derby was one fifty nine and two fifths seconds. So, uh, Derby one fifty nine and two is sort of a paying homage to. Secretariat, probably the greatest horse, uh, at least that raced in my lifetime. So that's fantastic. I uh, I, re I really like that. Uh, and that was the uh, that was the official time. Yeah, the official time, the the actual finishing time, one fifty nine and two fifths. Still, by far the fastest Derby ever run. He also has the fastest Breakness ever run, and the fastest Belmont ever run. So that was pretty amazing to actually. In races that have you know hundred plus year history, to have run the fastest in all three of them, you know that has to be the greatest feat of all time in horse racing, and, and it'd be pretty hard to eclipse that. And you know, I, I and in I, I, I agree, and maybe I should change my Twitter handle to Sham. <laughs> the, the most <laughs> unlucky horse. To ever the live. unlucky horse in history of racing. Yes. Well, I will also say about Secretariat, until about 10 years ago, he also held the mile and a half 
turf uh, record at Belmont. So that's even another incredible feat. He could run on dirt and turf. Yeah, I think he set a track record at Woodbine on the turf. So, yeah, um, he was a pretty amazing horse, uh, no doubt. Uh, when he ran his best races, I, I don't think there's been a horse that's ever existed that could you know, keep up with him. The Big Red Machine. The Big that Red was, Machine. That will conclude show number 85 of the Sport of Kings pod. May you cash well and often at Keeneland and Pimlico. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Idiot. <laughs>